Before we start today's show, I want to give a shout out to our partners for this podcast, Vitality. They are an essential part of me being able to facilitate these conversations. I've been an ambassador now with Vitality for several years and always the one thing that stands out most for me is just how much they care about people's health and are so keen to enhance their experience of life whatever way they can. They understand as much as I do. I think it's never about quick fixes or the one pill fixes everything. It's about the small, healthy, proactive behaviours sustained through a lifetime that can lead to incredible differences. Not only does Vitality protect members with award-winning cover, but they also offer discounts on gym membership, trainers, activity trackers and healthy food too. So you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes. Head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, welcome back to I Am, the podcast that explores the possibilities and potential that we can access as human beings. I'm your host, Johnny Wilkinson. I hope you enjoy this podcast coming up. Jeff Foster's an amazing guy. He's got some phenomenal stories. He's a great storyteller. His message is deep and inspiring. His story is a powerful one. But the way he delivers it so humbly, so openly, the way it meanders and finds its way back to the core messaging, some of them have stuck with me hugely. He's also got uh, a really vibrant, energetic kind of presence and a brilliant laugh as well uh, that makes this an upbeat and very enjoyable, easy listen. This also brings us to the end of the series and it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to be on this journey and as I keep saying it's been so awesome having you on it too I hope you've had a great time with this series please keep sending in your thoughts your ideas and letting us know what's going in your worlds I'm really enjoying hearing from anyone listening in so if something arises in you thoughts feelings or anything that you feel you want to know more about do not hesitate to email me uh, on hello at iampodcast.co.uk or just leave a comment in the review section on apple podcasts and we will continue to prep and to look forward to the next series Uh, we can't wait to get stuck in with new guests uh, and i can't wait to catch up with you again really really soon until then my name is johnny wilkinson this is the i am podcast with jeff foster Jeff Foster, thank you for joining me today. Um, I understand you haven't done a podcast for a while and uh, we are one of your first back in. So thank you ever so much for letting us uh, have that privilege. Oh, oh, wow, Johnny. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me be here. And, and yeah, this is my first podcast since I got sick. I think it was late 2019. And yeah, it just, it, this all just kind of worked out. I'm well enough now. I, I'm ready to, you know, I'm teaching again and ready to... I was open to doing podcasts and then you, you plopped it. Well, you didn't plop, but your invitation plopped, plopped into my, into my consciousness. So it's all, it's happening. I'm aware that, um, we should do some background stuff. And I wondered rather than sort of get you to talk about what it is you do and all those things, I'm really, really intrigued and interested for this podcast and for myself more than anything. It's about human potential and I'm interested in your story a little bit around what you might, I don't know, describe as a, your biggest shift, an awakening experience or whatever it might be. But can you give us just a little bit, as much as you're willing to tell us about that to frame this this next hour or so? Sure, yeah. So the big shift happened for me in my early 20s. Hmm. 
I'll, I'll tell you the short version and then maybe we can unpack it a bit. I, I was extremely depressed in my, well, as a teenager, actually as a, as a child, as a teenager, it got worse and worse. In my early 20s, I basically reached the point, I think I was 22, 23 years of age. I, I reached the point where I didn't really want to live anymore. The depression was just so deep, this self-hatred, anxiety, this shame, I, I just, just this feeling at my very core of not being good enough. You know, and just not being enough. I, I felt ugly. I felt stupid. I mean, I, I was, you know, I, I went to Cambridge University. I, 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 on the outside, I had all the shiny things. You know, I was a good boy. But on the inside, I just felt, I felt like there was this black hole and, and nothing seemed to be able to fill it. And um, it, it's all a bit blurry now. It, honestly, it feels like I'm talking about another life or something. Or, you know, I'm, it feels like I'm talking about another person when, when I talk about this period of my life. But back then, I, <laughs> I wanted to be a, a filmmaker. I, my whole childhood, I could do a whole podcast on that, but I wanted, to be a, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to inspire people, but it didn't quite work out. In my early 20s, I, I ended up working at the BBC in London, BBC News, I, in like a technical support role. I, I was in this relationship with this, with this girl, this woman. I, I thought we were going to get married. I was completely in love with her. She was my soulmate. She was going to save me. And then, of course, she, she left me. That so often happens. And I just fell into this deepest despair of my life. I, I, I hated my job. I felt lost in my life. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know who I was. I did not know who I was. I knew who I was supposed to be. I knew who I'd been taught I was, but in, in the deepest being, I didn't know who I was. And so then my, my girlfriend left me. And then I got, um, I got really ill. I got, I got physically sick. One day I ended up collapsing in my apartment. I was taken to hospital. It was probably, it was the lowest point of my life. And I think this is what sparked the, the spiritual search when I really look back. When I, I collapsed in the shower one day, I started, I started vomiting blood. I think I, I think I had taken too many ibuprofen because I was feeling, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me at the time. turns out it was glandular fever. But anyway, I started vomiting blood. I ended up passing out. I woke up with my head on, on the base of the shower in a pool of blood, absolutely terrified, thinking that I was dying. And I think there was something about that, that, that moment facing death started something in me. And then when, when I was in hospital and they were running all the tests, I remember this, this question emerging, which was like, what, what is death and what is life? And these, these questions I'd never even, I'd, I'd never asked before. These, suddenly these, these deep, deep philosophical, spiritual, ontological questions right, became so important to me. Like, what, who am I? And what, what's death? Like life, God, life is so fragile. Like one moment you're working at the BBC doing technical support for Jeremy Paxman or whatever. And the next moment I'm on the, I'm like vomiting blood. And, 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 of, and of course, like, I mean, my life wasn't actually in, in danger, but I didn't know that, but you don't know at the time. You don't know at the time. I think that that's began my spiritual search. I, I wanted, you know, I was, again, I was so deeply depressed. I, there's this black hole inside of me, and now, and now this question is now the, these these questions became the most important questions in my life. Like they really, these questions really started burning in me. Like who who am I? What what is life? What does it mean to be alive? And and what's what's the meaning of my life? And if life is so fragile in any in any moment, you know, it can just be we can we can get sick or we can die. Like what does it all mean in the in the face of that? 
starting in hospital, this was the beginning of my period of my life where I became the world's most obsessed spiritual seeker. <laughs> I, I, I got my hands on some, someone gave me a spiritual, I mean, at, at that point in my life, I'd never even heard of the word spirituality. I had no, I, no idea what spirituality was. I think it was a book by Eckhart Tolle or something someone gave me. Suddenly, the most important thing in my life was to find this thing called I mean, it's, people use different names to point to it, but en enlightenment, liberation, that sense of oneness, wholeness, that, that thing that we're all looking for. It, it was, for me now, it was a, a question, it was a matter of, li of life or death. Like I have to find this thing because I can't live like this anymore. I can't, you know, it was, it was like, I mean, this may sound a bit dramatic, but it, it did, it's how it felt to me at the time is I, either I'm going to find enlightenment or I'm going to kill myself. Oh, wow. Because I can't, I can't, I can't go on like this. I need that. I need that that thing, enlightenment, that nirvana, that that you know, all the, all the all the spiritual teachers were talking about, all the books and the you know. So really, for the next few years, I, I honestly, I, I became just totally obsessed with enlightenment, with trying to get this thing called um, enlightenment. I read every spiritual book I could get my hands on. I meditated for hour, like hours and hours and hours every day. I did all the all the practices and all the methods and all the like, oh, just trying, basically trying to, to get there. Like trying, I wanted this thing called, you know, this other place that didn't include pain and sorrow and anxiety and fear and suffering and this body, you know, with its pains and its mortality and, its, and, and this mind with its thoughts that wouldn't stop and its negativity. I, I, back then, that's, that's what I thought the answer was, was to, was to escape. I have to escape this, this being human because it's, uh, it's too much. Like it's, it's too intense. It's too scary. It's, it's overwhelming. So, um, yeah, I obsessively for the next few years, actually, I obsessed. It was, that was the only thing I did in my life. I, I locked myself away at, at home and I obsessively looked for enlightenment and, and, um, that's part one of the story. Well, in in a way, I, I kind of I'd be more than happy for you to to go on because I, I think I get the feeling you're going to resolve some of those initial interpretations. This is like it's it. like a good Netflix show, isn't it? It's yeah, like it is. A, it's like a that 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 was season one, season <laughs> episode one. one. <laughs> that was the that was the cliffhanger, and and there's lots of things that really really resonate with me, especially around a kind of crux crisis moment or a series of crises moments that just are insurmountable to the stance that I was in and and the way that I saw myself the way that I figured life was all that packaged together in in this idea of who I who I was meets a situation of which there is no win yeah it's doomed if I do doomed if I don't and sitting still and doing neither is the biggest doom and and therefore something has to give and the thing is it's not going to be life <laughs> life's not going to give and I think that for me was where I kind of found that this understanding was, it came to that. I'd had, like you said, the shiny things. I'd had all of those and they they just hadn't moved the dial at all. They were just more extreme versions of what I already knew. And even in the more extreme versions, they also brought more extreme versions of the the unwanted with it. Um, and what, and what, what you also had was the world 
pointing at you and go, you're, you, you were the shiny thing. Like you, you've, you've, you had a lot of people all over the world. Like Johnny, he, he has it. He's got it. He, he's the, you know, you had that coming towards you. Well, I, I guess also with it, there was this understanding that it felt like this was as good as it was going to get. Yeah. I couldn't ask for any more. And every day that I lived was moving further away from it because it was becoming more old news. Mm. And yet it wasn't even good enough at the start. And now I was moving away from it. There's a sense of like, oh my God, is this it? Uh, mixed with the fact that I had, growing up, you mentioned about the depression. I had, I guess that as a child, I had a huge fear and anxiety and, and panic and sense of doom around life in general, which then led to these depressive states of God, how the hell am I gonna survive this or beat this? Or, or how is it so easy for everyone else to walk around laughing when I, you know, when I'm looking, thinking, how can you laugh when dealing with mortality at a young age or or it was you know this sense of like you can't the perfectionism or whatever it might be all of that kind of hugely hugely resonates and I guess also with me as a youngster there was also that sense of wonder about you know who I am and what it's all about but it didn't have that burn to it that you mentioned and then all of a sudden with the crisis moments it takes front center stage instead of it being yeah, almost way back in the deepest back seat, just kind of plugging along as a nice little curious idea as a you know, dinner party conversation. And suddenly it's like, no, this has replaced everything that was at the front. And now it's in the bay. But it didn't mean that, and I'm interested in this for you in terms of your sort of passion and, and excitement and stuff like that, is that how did that shift relate with your everyday life? with the stuff that, you know, with, with job, earning money, relating to friends, having goals, ambitions, hobbies, excitements, those kind of things. How did it now look with this obsessive desire? I mean, the other thing I want to move on to is definitely what that initial idea of it was. Actually, maybe we'll go there first in terms of, as an achiever, an idea, yeah, an achiever, for me, when I got into that idea of, oh, I want this other place, what it meant was it just became the new World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're on your way there and you're kind of like, oh my God, I've got to realize at some point I'm going to, if I win that World Cup, it's going to be the same as the old one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see how that, how that kind of unfolds now, your view of like, I've got to go out and get this enlightenment, this other place away from the, you know, the escape from pain. How did that sort of evolve through the, the years, the next years? Season two. Season two. No. Yeah, it's, it's interesting looking back now. I I I kind of re- I think I, I realized that I I think I was addicted. Actually, I, I think that had become my new addiction was spiritual enlightenment. It's all it's all I could think of. All, literally, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed at night, it's all I could think about was this other place. Call it enlightenment. Call it liberation. Call it a, sh- a shift in consciousness. Call it transcendence. Call it blah blah blah. blah. There's a million names for it. Basically, home, home, you know, that's, I mean, lots and lots of fancy names for something that deep down I was really looking for, which was like, I want to, I want to go home. Where is home? Because I certainly did not feel at home where I was. I did not feel at home in my body, in my mind. I, I think deep down, I, I just wanted to go home, but I, I didn't know how. No one had shown me where home was. My parents bless them, but they they didn't have a bloody clue where 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 home was, you know. And their parents and their parents going back through the the generations, and so it's up to people like us. I think we're the, we're the ones who break down, you know, the sensitive ones, the the 
creative ones, the artistic ones, the, the you know, we break down. And as, and as you said, you know, all, all, the, all of these questions, all of this material that had been buried in me, you know, it would, like you had been buried in you since you were very, very young. It, it's not like it came out of nowhere. It was already there. It was just deeply buried. And now suddenly it hits, it smacks you in the face. And, it, and it's like the, all the pain of a lifetime, the sorrow, the, the abandoned child with, within, the, 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 the homesick one. You can't, you can't stuff it down anymore and all the shiny things. And it's, it's a really scary, disorienting, difficult time when it's like, oh shit, all the stuff doesn't work anymore. All the shiny stuff, the, the, the success, the trophies, for, it, it could be anything, the, the alcohol, the drugs, the, the sex, the, all the stuff that you use to, to try and run away from yourself, basically, to, to numb yourself doesn't work anymore. And, and so anyway, that's, that's where I found myself. So I, yeah, I, I became obsessed. I read every spiritual book I could find. I, I, every teacher did all the practices, the yoga, the meditation. The... And you know what, o over those few years, I mean, I had all this. So here's the thing. I, I started to have all kinds of spiritual experiences, right? You know, I had all the, I'd be sitting for hours in meditation and I, I'd suddenly, I'd see the light. I'd tried, I would fly off to different universes and I, you know, I'd experience different states of, all kinds of different states of consciousness. You know, you have these, all, uh, you know, I'd have these orgasmic, you know, oneness experiences and, and experiences where my mind would just completely be silent, experiences of no thought, experiences where I, I was not the body anymore. I transcended the body. I, I, I experiences of, of, you know, astral traveling and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it was all very exciting. It was all very exciting, all these spiritual experiences. The problem was with these experiences is they had a beginning and an end. They, they kind of came and went, even in the most orgasmic, blissful, you know, almost overwhelmingly blissful spiritual experience. It's beautiful, but it passes. It, it trickles through your fingers and, it, and it's gone. And then you, you want it back. Or you want you want a more intense spiritual experience. You want the next insight, the next experience, the next state. You you taste the hundred and forty fifth level of bliss consciousness. Oh my God! There's a hundred and the next level, one hundred and forty seventh level. Hundred. Where does it end? And you start to realize this is what I started to realize actually. This is this is addictive. And then I, <laughs> I mean, it's funny now. It it wasn't at the time. I can look back at it and, and, and I find the humor in it, but it, when, when you're in it, it's kind of tragic, as, as, as I'm sure you can relate to. I started to realize, oh my God, even, even this isn't gonna do it. This is the next, oh my God, this was my last hope. This is what I was telling myself at the time. This is all the shine, the external shiny things of the world aren't gonna do it, aren't gonna bring me home, aren't gonna bring me that happiness, that peace, that freedom, that liberation that I'm looking for. But now I started to, started to dawn on me that shit, even the spiritual experiences aren't going to do it. And that, I kind of, I think I, I kind of entered a, an even deeper despair than I'd ever, I mean, I, you know, I thought I was depressed before, but this was even deeper now. This was like, uh, there's a, it was a spiritual teacher called um, Yuji Krishnamurti. And he said something that <laughs> I love. He said, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to liberation, when it comes to getting there, this other place, he said that the mind, the mind is not the instrument. And there is no other instrument. And when I heard that, I, I remember, oh my God, that it, it, I think it, it sent me into just days and days of absolute despair. Because, well, if, 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 if the spiritual search isn't going to do it, then what's left? 
So, so uh, yeah, so this is really the point that I came to after two or three years of intense spiritual seeking is even the spiritual experiences weren't doing it for me anymore. Is, is, this, where, is this where the exhaustion of the, of, of, the, of the seeker comes in? Yeah, that's exactly what started to happen. This, this, this exhaustion, it was, it was exhausting doing this spiritual seeking, trying, trying to get to this other place and reading all the, I mean, all the books. I had like thousands and I think I had thousands of spiritual, with all the fancy Sanskrit words and all the, and all the different teachers, all the different teachers seemed to be saying something different. One said, consciousness is the only reality and, and awareness is false. And the other teacher said, no, 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 awareness is the, old, the only reality and consciousness is false. And one said that you have to be the subject of the awareness of the witness of the object. And the other book said, no, you have to be the awareness of the awareness of the awareness of the, of the subjective. Con-. And the other book said, you have to be, you have to, no, no, you have to transcend all that. You, and, then, and then another book, no, 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 you have to transcend the transcendence. So then you're like trying to transcend the transcendence of the one who's transcending. And it's even exhausting talking about, I mean, it was exhausting even talking about it now. But the thing is, it was, it was deadly serious to me at the time. And, and that's why I think I became... There's a madness to it. I started to see there's a kind of madness, but then I couldn't get out of it either because I couldn't, as I was in this really dark place, it's like, but I can't get, this is my last hope, but it's not working and, I, and I, I'm seeing through it. I'm always trying to get somewhere else, but then I can't, I can't, how do I give that up? And I can't go back. I can't go back. Like you said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't go back, but this isn't, you know, so I, this this profound exhaustion, yeah, I think that's really the word. This profound exhaustion with all the techniques and the practices and the trying to be the awareness of the awareness, or being the awareness or being the, you know, it was exhausting. And as I said, you know, you'd have some beautiful experiences, yeah, but they would pass. And I think I was looking for that. What I was looking for was some kind of permanent state or experience. And that's why I started, this leads into season three. So I started to realize that it, it's, it ain't going to happen. Maybe what I'm looking for is not some other state or some other experience or some, the next thing. From my perspective and, and listening to this and, and what's coming up in me is just that my whole life, I used to say that I loved the job I did because I loved the formula of the more you put in the more you get out and that's what it felt like I loved the idea that I could put so much more in and I would seem to get so much more out but I'm not sure if that was on a material level in terms of like financial or perks or recognition or status or, or whatever it might be but it also felt a little bit like on performance as well but it only worked on performance because all the stress and suffering it just came down to the fact that for that brief period, the passion for what I was doing was stronger than the need to survive it. And therefore, when the whistle went on the field, the passion took over. But I equated that all the stress led to the, led to the now of the passion. And that mind-based formula equation sort of fundamental of this plus this will equal this had, had me going from trophy to trophy to house to house to to car and then I'm thinking and then from injury to comeback from injury to comeback and eventually the idea came as like crikey, crikey it's not there it's not there so there is what's it adding up to and then suddenly I got the deathbed picture of retirement and thinking 
well, what's waiting for me in retirement that's not here already? And then I sort of thought, oh, this is such a big opportunity to to stop and 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 try and see through this intellectual kind of logic of the payoff is coming. But as a result, unfortunately, I had another one in me which was built by this kind of different definition of being of service to everyone, which was like, I'm going to leave my mark and my legacy after I'm gone. The legacy. So now, so now there's no beating no, the, the equation legacy. because it's oh, got yes. me after. It's got me in the grave, still trying to trying to arrive, <laughs> still trying whilst <laughs> I'm not even here. And and I think you know, I think it's so powerful for me because I guess that was my exhaustion. But it was also, it was also slightly depressing for me to look ahead and think, this is what it's going to look like. This is the cycle. This is you, and I'm going to wind this and wind it, and I'm going to have some ups, I'm going to have some downs, I'm going to have some ups, and I had to ask myself, is this enough? Is this going to be enough? Is it enough now? No. Well, why is it mm. going to be enough when you've exhausted it for another twenty years? And the only thing I'll have is the fact that okay, physically I might not be able to do as much, so you're going to have to wipe out half of that. Mentally, I might start losing that capacity, so I have to wipe wipe out half of that side of it. And so you do come up with the same argument that life gets harder as you get older according to that formula and I I didn't I just didn't and still part of me now just I'm just like that's not it that's not that's not a life I'm, I'm going to live but it's so easy for those moments for you to sort of I used to say I'm going to really start meditating when I'm 30 it got to it got to 35 and I'm like when I'm 40 it had to be you know like when do you do it when do you stop but then you realize that you can't use the the more I put in the more I get out necessarily there's a different one I'm interested to see your yeah your thoughts and go if it's not more I put in more I get out where is it yeah that's that that's you've you've put words to something that I yeah that's that's totally what I felt by then it was like come it was like come on I'm like 24 hours a day I'm bloody doing spiritual practice and I'm I am like the good I'm like the best spiritual student where's my effing stuff like where is my prize where is my enlightenment and there was I I think there was like, there was actually like a frustration there was like an anger there was like a rage on, underneath it all like I've put in I put in I had put in years and years of reading the most boring bloody spiritual books I look back and they're so boring. Oh my God, they're so dead and boring. You know, not to judge them, but they were, you know, you, you read what you need to read at the time. But, you know, they, it was like, I put in so much effort. Where was my stuff? Like, where was this thing that I'd been promised? This, you know, I... Well, that's good. My mind's gone completely blank. That's, that's probably a good sign, Johnny. Because <laughs> <laughs> that leads into, actually, that kind of leads into the next bit. Yeah, so we were talking about this this exhaustion. The escape, yeah, and the, and the escape, escape idea and yeah. the exhaustion, yeah. So we've got stage one and two going from the idea of escape to the idea of exhaustion yeah. and just putting those two together, I guess, to sort of say, well, hold on. Now I've tried everything and I'm knackered. Yeah. And now I've gone to the boundaries of that. Exactly. Yeah, I tried the material stuff and, now I'm, and I got knackered. And then I tried the spiritual stuff and now I'm even double, I'm double <laughs> knackered. I'm like spiritually knackered. That's a good title for this podcast, Spirit, <laughs> Spiritually Knackered. I am a spiritually knackered, perfect. Yeah. The spiritual knacker yard. But, I think, but this, this is the thing, like we're all seekers deep down. I mean, I, 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 I thought I was so special because I was a spiritual seeker looking for enlightenment. Actually, when I look back, I was no different from you know, anyone else really. We're all, we're all, we're all doing that, that, that same mechanism, looking for happiness outside ourselves, looking for peace, looking for love, looking for 
oneness outside of ourselves. We're all doing it in a million different ways, you know? So searching for spiritual enlightenment, it's just one version of, of, of it's the same, it's the same game, you know? You want, you want, you know, the, the next iPhone or a nice shiny new car, or you want the nice shiny new enlightenment, you know? And I, there's not much difference really. And that's really, that was really hard to swallow when I started to realize that. So yeah, I, I was left in this state. I was, I was spiritually knackered, double knackered, frustrated, fed up, sick. I was I, at this point, I was kind of sick to death with all the spiritual jargon, you know, all the, all the Sanskrit words and the fancy, you know, and the, I was just tired. I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to go home. I just wanted home, you know? So it was in, it was in the midst of this, this exhaustion. I tried everything, nothing worked. You know, I, I, I just thought it's, I, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. Never going to, it's never going to happen. And then one day, one very, very ordinary day, and it was, it was when I was doing nothing. This is the irony of it. I was just sitting around exhausted. I think I was in my bedroom. I was in, living in Manchester at the time. Fed up, you know, lost. More lost than I'd ever been in my life, actually. Now, like, spiritually lost. Hmm. And I, I looked over at a, um, a chair. And so here's the thing, nothing... Nothing happened. So when I tell this story, it sounds like there was, some, there was this big like bolt of something. Ha- Nothing happened. This is the thing. This is the hardest thing to kind of put into words. I, I looked at a chair and there was just this, this moment of just simple understanding. Just on a, on a soul level, on a heart level, on this kind of... It was the sense of, oh, 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 oh. It, it's always been here. That this thing that I was I've been looking for my whole life actually it's always been here I, I wouldn't it wasn't this new piece of information that came along I, it was more like this remembering it was it, it felt like remembering something I had always 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 known that the the miracle is right here in the ordinariness of life it was it was there in a I call it the miracle, call it God, call it the divine, call it oneness, call it wholeness, call it enlightenment. It doesn't really matter because in the end, what I realized was these were all just words. They were all just thoughts, all of them, even the the fancy refined spiritual thoughts. I am, I am pure awareness. I am this, I am pure consciousness. Even that was just, that was so much less than what this was. It was, it was God. I mean, we could use the word God. For me, God is just a word that points to the the ineffable mystery of creation, of of, of existence, the before language. But the thing is, we have to use language because, well, because we're doing a <laughs> podcast, so we have to say say things. But this was this was this recognition. It, it came before words. It was like in that moment, it it felt like the whole thing just crumbled. The whole spiritual search just fell away. And it, yeah. It, or, or more, or rather it was kind of seen through. It was, it was like seen to be this, like, what, what have I been looking for my whole life? It's always been here. It was, it's right there in that bloody chair. The last place that I would ever, ever look for it because I was looking with my mind. I was looking in time. I was looking for it. It's like Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas. He said that the, the kingdom of heaven is spread out over the earth, but men and women do not see it. Like it's already here, but we don't see it. It's not this other place, this other thing, this other state, this other experience. That, that's what I've been looking for as a spiritual seeker was this special experience. This was the most ordinary of ordinary, like shockingly ordinary. It was just a chair. It wasn't even some special seeing, because that's what I've been trying to do is I have to see the chair in a special way. It was just... A chair 
and and I I I remember at this point I I was I started to cry, but just with this kind of recognition, this remembering that I oh I'm like I'm here and it's here, like I, home is here in some yeah. ineffable way that I couldn't I couldn't understand. It's it's not like I understood any of this with the mind. It was just this simple knowing. And then I look, I remember looking around the room, couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. It was it was the chair, it was the carpet. I became fascinated with the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh shit it's also the carpet it was in the ordinariness and and the 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 imperfection it was in the imperfection of ordinary life it wasn't this exalted spiritual state it was there in the peeling wallpaper you see it was in the damp patch in the corner of the room it was in my my toenail that had grown a bit too long it was it was right here like I, it, the last place that i had ever thought to look was right here was presence the, the last place that i would would ever think to look the way I would say it now, it was just, I became present, you know, like present for the first time in my life, I think. Not that even I became present, because you can't really become present. It was almost this this remembering that what I am, what I have always been, is that thing that I'm longing for. It's not, it's not that I became, because that's what I've been trying to do, was become something else. First of all, some worldly successful thing. And then I was trying to become some spiritually successful thing, some enlightened thing. And this kind of, it felt like this came before all of that. It was like, oh, like I'm already whole. And in some ineffable, mysterious way, I am what that chair is. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to have any words for it. I don't need, all the words come after, all the, all the fluffy, spiritual, poetic words come, come after. And what I realised as well is this is true for all of us. This is not some special experience that I'm having. This is some fundamental, universal truth that what I am is what the chair is, is what the carpet is, is what the peeling wallpaper is, is what you are, is what you are and you are. And again, words, words come afterwards, but this, this wholeness, this oneness, this consciousness, this presence... It's all. It's always already here. You, when you look for it, you miss it. It's not in time. It's not going to happen to you. And then this is then this is what blew my mind in, in a way was that, so to speak, was that for so many years I'd been trying to have some special experience, some special spiritual experience. And what I realized this is not. This is different from all those all those orgasmic intense. This is spiritual. Experience. This is very quiet and ordinary, it's almost like nothing. It's very undramatic, you know? Oh shit, God is a chair. Oh. So that, 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 was, that was the beginning of the end, really the end of my spiritual seeking. And I had other experiences, non-experiences like this over the next few months, but this, once I really saw the chair, like really saw the chair, I couldn't quite believe anymore in all that, spiritual stuff about becoming enlightened or like entering some other state or it was the ordinary I, I started to fall in love this this was the beginning of me falling in falling in love with 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 the the ordinariness of of life falling in love with presence falling in love with the the broken things and the imperfections falling in love with and then this is what happened as well I, with I was like oh shit there's this body there's this body, I have this body that for so many years I've been trying to perfect or I've been trying to transcend. I've been trying to escape, you know? And I, I, I remember like 
<laughs> you know how like little babies, they just kind of, they're just like fascinated with their hands. Cause they, they get it. They know they haven't been conditioned out of this stuff. They haven't been taught to hate themselves. They haven't been taught to run from experience yet. You know, the, the, the divine it's in our hands, you know, and I, I just found myself, I became fascinated with, Oh, it's, it's in the simplicity. It's in the ordinariness. It's, it's in this, this imperfect body. It's in the flab and the scars and the, and the pimples and the, like, oh, I had this idea, I, I, maybe my whole life that I, 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 somehow I had to become perfect before I would be worthy, worthy of love or worthy of bloody enlightenment. I thought it was about perfecting myself. And so many spiritual teachers blessed them. That's kind of how they made it sound. Like they were in some perfect state you know that they were in some maybe they were saying this or maybe it's how I interpreted it but that's kind of how it sounded but like they were they were in some other state some perfect state where they they never feel fear and they never feel pain and they they always have nice fluffy positive thoughts and I I, I bought into that what I realized in in this chair experience non-experience it was that was just all bullshit it was just all bullshit all of it really that this this oneness is, it's all inclusive. It includes the body. It includes uh, our imperfections. It includes our loneliness. It includes our, our anxiety, our fear, our, our broken hearts. It includes our doubts. For so many years, I'd been trying to eradicate my doubts. Because you know, I thought that's what enlightenment was, was a state where of no doubts. You know, And some spiritual teachers were saying that. Once you become enlightened, or blah, 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 all doubts will disappear. All fear will disappear. And what I realized was this, this is all just the, this is all just a fantasy. This is the mind's version of enlightenment. This is this is actually quite violent. It felt started to feel quite violent. What have I been doing? What's wrong with doubt? This this is the question I started to ask myself. Was that it's like oh shit, what's wrong with doubt? What's what's wrong with being sad? What's wrong with my imperfections? Something in my brain just switched because it's all that made of the same stuff. Like it's the. It's my, if God is in the chair or oneness or whatever you want to call it, it's in the chair, it's in the peeling wallpaper, it's in the dog shit in the street. But then it's also here in my doubt. It's also here in the in the parts of myself that I'd previously felt shame around or rejected or I'd been taught that anger was bad or sadness was was sadness was weakness or or that or that yeah, the spiritual teacher is telling me that I, I shouldn't have doubts, that doubts are a sign of ego. Or if you doubts are a sign that you still have a separate self. It's been worded in so many different ways. But this message had come from the world, and it had come from, you know, a lot of spiritual teachers, was that my imperfect, vulnerable, shaky, sweaty, awkward humanity somehow wasn't okay. And this just smashed it all. This just smashed it. It was like, oh... So now, now the path became, it was no longer about looking for enlightenment or trying to get there. It was all, now it was about, now I was fascinated, curious, what's it like to be here? And that changed everything. What's it like to be here? I really, I mean, it's really, really powerful. I've, I've not heard it explained or explored in that way, in your way. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I really love it. I, I think looking at it from a perspective of, those imperfections, those doubts and everything. One of the things that was so key and is so key to that kind of mind understanding of 
the superhuman. And I want to look at that just in a little bit, just with regard to human potential and what we think human potential is through the mind versus what we're exploring, I think, a bit more here. But through that mind version of getting there, the relationship with thoughts and feelings that we have is that these aren't according to that other state that I'm after, whether it's you know, whatever it be, you know, like we do it in sport. You look at people on the sports field and you're kind of thinking, oh, that person's a machine. You know, I want to be like that. They're a machine. Look at them. They're so calm under pressure. So you think, okay, in order to be like that, I'm, I must be without doubt. I must be machine-like as in sport or in the spiritual side of the peace and the, and the, the openness and the, the lovingness and everything. You think that those feelings that you have and those thoughts are not of the path they are a wrong turn some way so how do i for me for example spending your life fighting and trying to resolve or trying to get rid of or understand all these things which plays as the einstein quote i think something along the lines of yeah the, the same energy or mind that creates the problem you're trying to solve it with so you're just locking into that cycle that keeps those alive i talk about sort of feeding fear with reassurance creates an even stronger fear machine because it's just got a it's just you're basically just helping it grow you're giving it what it wants so it comes back and says i need more of that now i'm wondering looking at this what's that relationship now with thoughts and feelings you're talking about yeah what's wrong with them but if a immediate sense is i have this feeling like you and i were discussing around childhood anxiety depression and this is not the life i want to live and the immediate thought then is, well, I want to be more happy. I want happy thoughts, but I have these ones. There's obviously a lot in the therapy kind of psychology or, or meditation angle, but what's the, what's the other route towards that shift in perceiving or even just relationship with those feelings in the, in the allowing? I know a lot of your, your work and your books around allowing acceptance and the rest and the peace and the meditation is so, so powerful, but I'd be interested to... You know, what what's that relationship with those feelings now you know for example with that pang of anxiety that comes what's the new operational kind of uh, manual say now that you're in that space no, it's, a, it's a great question i think it's the, maybe it's it's the question so yeah so so just going back to my story for a little bit after after i had this this chair what should we call it this chair awakening after 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 the the chair the chair moment yeah, what what I realized on a very very deep deep like fundamental level was that there was nothing wrong with me, and every thought, every sensation, every feeling, however intense, however negative, however painful, however unwanted, is on some deeper level. Maybe in a way I can't even put into words. It's on some deeper level. It's 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 divine. Like it's okay. I think that's where we have to begin. It's like. And of course, it's it's totally understandable and natural and human to to not want to experience certain feeling states. You know, when when we're in pain, physical or emotional pain, like of, of of course, it's the most natural thing to not to not want the pain. It's not comfortable when there's fear, when there's anger, when there's grief. Mm. You know, physical pain. Of course, there's a part of us that just doesn't want it to be there, and we we want it to go away. The danger we're talking about acceptance. Actually, the danger we're talking about anything is that the mind will make it into this. Okay, this is the new goal, right? Oh, I get it now from Jeff's story. Jeff and Johnny are talking. Okay, I get it. Like 
acceptance is the thing. I have to, ac- I have to accept <laughs> all my thoughts and all my feelings. And, and that's the way to get there. You know, the mind loves its dogmas. The mind loves its, its dogmas. So, and I get it as well. I mean, when, you know, after I had the chair experience and I, you know, I remembered the oneness prior to all manifestation and remembered who I truly was, blah, blah, blah. I honestly thought I would never forget that ever again. I thought, I, oh, I get it now this is it. Like, I've got it now. I've had the chair thing. I've had the chair thing. And this is the end. And, and, but no, in a way that was just the beginning, you know, like awakening or whatever you want to call that. I, I don't even, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Spiritual awake. I don't know what to bloody call anything anymore. In a way that was just, that was just the beginning. Now I knew on, on the deepest level, I knew that somehow it was all about accepting myself, allowing myself, allowing myself to be afraid. When anger came, when, when sorrow came, allowing those feelings when allowing thoughts and this of course is the basis of meditation you know there's this uh, so i'm going off on like a million different tangents here but maybe it will all come back to the same place somehow <laughs> this is what's so wonderful about meditation you know that i mean like true true meditation i mean what i would say is true meditation which is just really just about being present just sitting doing nothing being present and just having this stance of kind of open receptive curiosity just kind of watching watching existence, watching the rise and fall of existence, watching thoughts come and go, because they do. And of course, what you start to notice if you've ever meditated for more than a few minutes is that we have no control, really. We have no control over the next bloody thought. We, We can't control those clouds in the sky. We can't control those waves in the ocean. We, we, this is a, a meditation is a massive blow for the ego, massive blow for the ego. Which is why the ego doesn't want to meditate, resist meditation. It calls it says meditation is boring. And in a way, what meditation is, it's boring. It's meant to bore you to death. What you're really doing is you're breaking you're breaking the addiction of a lifetime. You're breaking your addiction of a lifetime, which is the addiction to the next moment, the addiction to having some other experience than the one you're having. It, of course it's boring. We it's in, we go into with when we're meditating properly, it's like we're going into withdrawal. Wow, yeah. You know. That's huge. It's the most boring thing. Yeah. It's like it's like just watching thoughts coming and going, just watching sensations coming and going in the body. Oh, there's some sadness here. Okay. And doing nothing with it. For 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 some of us, that's like that's like just a radical, radical suggestion is to do nothing. We're so especially in our culture, we are so <laughs> programmed, conditioned to do something, do something, do something. And meditation kind of it's just this invitation, this gentle invitation. Okay, I know there's a part of you that wants to do something right now. Want, that wants to, like you said, wants to get rid of this thought. Wants to stop this thought. Wants to attack this thought. Wants to erase this thought. Wants to silence the mind. But what would happen if just for a moment you you allowed... It's like trying to silence waves in the ocean. We, you can't. They're, they're too powerful. So, but, but what if we just allowed you know, allowed the, these thoughts to come and go and feelings, you know, what if we just, anyway, so, so, so this has been my, this has been my journey over the past 10, 15 years now is, is just learning, learning, learning how to love myself really on the deepest level, Learn, learning. And when I say love myself, I mean, what I mean is learning to love my thoughts, even, you know, even when they're negative thoughts or dark thoughts or, or, or critical thoughts not trying to stop them or control them, but just noticing that the, these are all the possible waves that can ar- arise 
in the ocean that I am, you know, learning to allow myself to feel sad. You know, I, I was someone who, and maybe you can relate, you know, in growing up in my family, no one expressed sadness. I never saw my dad cry. I never saw my mom cry, really. I, I had so much sadness in me when I was a child, but there was no one there to see it. No one validated it, you know. So I just learned, okay, sadness doesn't have a place, so I pushed it away. Anger, I wasn't allowed to be angry, so I pushed it away. And so, you know, after, after this awakening, I started to become fascinated with, well, okay, all this stuff that I've pushed away, like, can I, can I, and this has been my journey the past 15 years, the, turn, the sense of kind of turning towards all of this, this pushed away material, all, all of turning to, turning back towards myself. Sometimes I talk about thoughts and feelings as, as they're like your children, you know, they're, they're like lost children and they just want a home in you. I think that the Buddha talked about the, the middle way, you know, it's like when, just for example, when when a wave of sadness arises in you, so it's helpful sometimes to see just feelings, thoughts and feelings as like waves in the ocean. We have to begin by just giving ourselves what, what we never got as children, which is just validation. Okay, there's there's sadness here. You know, we, we have to come out of denial. We can't, we have to face the truth of our experience. If there's sadness here, Let's turn towards it and validate it and acknowledge it. Let's begin anyway by bowing to our experience, even if it's scary, even if it's uncomfortable, even if your mind starts saying, oh, you know, this sadness shouldn't be here. Or, you know, or there's something wrong with me for feeling this. This is all, this is all the conditioning. The mind might say, you know, yeah, there's, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm too weak. I'm blah, blah, blah. Or just, just different versions of, you know, this shouldn't be here. Or maybe if you have spiritual programming, oh, well, if I was enlightened, that's what I always used to do to myself. If I was in this other, this other state, which doesn't, doesn't exist, by the way, I've met some of the most seemingly enlightened people on this planet. And behind the scenes, when you get to know them, they, all of them, every single one, they all have doubts. They all have fears. They all, you know, have, have anger, all of them. You know, wh- wh- however they present to the world. And I've, I've met some of the, the, the you know, the A-list, most enlightened, most this, most that. Bless, the, bless us. Bless them. Bless us. We're all so deeply human underneath the mask. And the spiritual mask can be just as much of a mask as, as, as you know, the, the perfect, the perfect person. It doesn't exist. But bless us. Bless us all. You know, we are all so deeply human. And we're, we're all so deeply vulnerable and we all have doubts and we all have fears, and sometimes we don't know what we're doing, and, and, and we all, you know, feel lonely sometimes, we, we, we feel afraid sometimes, and this is, when did this become a mistake, or something that we have to fight, or transcend, or, you know, for me, like, you know, some, uh, so many times in my life, I've, I've, I've been humbled, I've been humbled, you know, I, I've, <laughs> so many times in my life, you know, like you're going along, you think you have the answers, you think that you're, you know, you th- you think you you think you've got things sorted, you think your life's going well, you think you have the answers, you think, and then life just comes and kind of knocks you. It just kind of it, it, it's suddenly out of the blue, like a loss, something very precious to you, you you lose a, a heartbreak, a relationship shatters, or. Your health suddenly, you know, this is what happened to me a couple of years ago. Suddenly your, your health just deteriorates out, like out of the blue, without warning, very often, without any warning. And, and 
suddenly, you know, again, all of your cleverness, all of your answers, all your expertise is just like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if, if you sweep the floors or you're like the world's greatest spiritual teacher, you know, you're, you're like, you're like the Buddha himself, herself, doesn't matter. You know, that in that moment, your heart is broken, you feel lost, you feel vulnerable, or it all just shatters the whole thing. You And life will humble us. It will. It, it, it will humble us. And that's not a mistake, you know? And, and, and the, so quickly we go into our minds, like, I've done something wrong. What's wrong with me? But maybe this is just a, a deeper, another invitation, a deeper invitation to turn towards yourself. Maybe this heartbreak wants to be felt. Maybe there's intelligence in it. Maybe there's doubt. Maybe there's loneliness. Maybe these, you know, something, this is not something that's gone horribly wrong in your life. You know, maybe this is an invitation. This is what happened to me, you know, a couple of years ago. I, this, this, this Lyme disease, this, you know, it just knocked me. It, it, it just, you know, I, I, and, and again, it was humbling. I, I I thought, you know, well, I'm Jeff Foster, the spiritual teacher. I've got all these books, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really think that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there was some of that there. And, th and then suddenly I find myself with all these like horrific symptoms and, and I, I had my energy, I had no, I could barely get out of bed most days. My nervous system was just, because it was affecting my brain and the, the bacteria got into my brain. Just these horrific symptoms, aches and pains all over my body and like, Honestly, in the midst of that, it was the sense of, I write books about acceptance. I write books about acceptance. And, and actually in, in those moments, honestly, I felt a million fucking miles away from acceptance. One million miles away. I, what, was, what was true in my experience was actually, I don't want this, this is, this is hell. It, it was really hellish. What was interesting was just noticing my, my mind, my mind was telling me, come on, Jeff, like you, you should, you should be doing better than this. You know, like you're Jeff Foster, you should be, you write books on this stuff. You, you should be, you should just be present with it and just gracefully allow it and blah, 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 blah. But what I noticed, no, the mind has turned, the mind has turned that into a should. It's incredible. It's just incredible. The, the infinite ways in which the mind can punish us and make us wrong. And I actually, what was actually true in my experience was there was there was non-acceptance. There was non-acceptance. So then of course the invitation is like, can we can we even bring some acceptance to our non-acceptance? You know? Can can we bring some can we turn towards even our, our resistance, our, our non-acceptance? Maybe maybe even that is not a mistake. Maybe even our non-acceptance, our resistance, that part of us that doesn't want to be where we are, that wants to run away, that that wants to be somewhere else. Maybe even that part, it's just like a, it's just like a child. You know, it's if we could see even that part as just a child. Like I, I always think of Jesus on the on the cross. I think it's such a powerful, such such a powerful myth. You know, and I and I think of the moment where Jesus, uh, you know, when he's he's on the cross and he's uh, and th and this is this is like. God, this is like God himself. And he's, and he's, you know, in the midst of this, the, the pain, the torture of being crucified. I mean, there isn't, that, that's, that is, that's torture, you know, crucifixion on a, on a, on every level, physical, physically, emotionally, spiritually, 
he's being tested on 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 every level you know he's lost everything he's lost his livelihood he's lost his 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 friends he has to say goodbye to his 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 friends his family his in that moment he he cry, he cries out he cries out like you know father father why have you forsaken me in that moment even even jesus is full of doubt full of profound profound doubt in that moment he forgets all of his wisdom all of his spirituality he doubts god he doubts call it god call it consciousness call it presence call it truth whatever it's it's like his whole teaching everything is in doubt and, he, and and we all have moments like this we all have moments like this and i you know i i i'm not comparing myself to jesus at all but we all have i mean jesus is just us he's just us you know we and we all have moments like that in the midst of heartbreak loss pain when life doesn't go our way when the external world kind of shatters and everything seems out of control and just just to say that you know even god doubts so let, let's let's be a bit more um, forgiving of ourselves. Yes, it's about accepting, yeah, accepting ourselves and loving ourselves. But also, there's some moments where we just feel a million fucking miles away from self-love. We feel a million miles away from God, whatever our God is. We feel a million miles away from enlightenment. We feel a million miles away from from I am. You know, that's what Jesus is saying: is is I am. Where are you? He's forgotten who he is. That's courage, is to keep going. Courage is not courage. We're talking about courage, like real strength, real power, real courage. It's, it's, for me, anyway, this is why I would say it's, it's not the absence of doubt. It's not, it's not getting into this state where there's no doubt and no fear and no heartbreak, and where there's absolute certainty. That's, that's, that's not real courage. Courage is when you are, you're in pain and you're full of doubt and you feel lost and you, you don't even know what your next step is sometimes. But But you show up and you keep walking. Even though you, sometimes you don't even know where you're going. You don't, you don't even know if the next step will take you to death. You don't know. But that's real courage. Courage is when you are, you are fully present. You're present. You're there. You're present with your doubt, with your fear, with your, the, this, this wonderful, shaky, awkward, imperfect human self. It, it comes along. It's, it's, it's included. And for me, that's wholeness. That is wholeness is that radical inclusion it's not the, this perfect state it's showing up showing up taking each step with your imperfections with your doubts so in that moment you have doubts but they don't control you you have fears but they don't control you you have a shaky broken heart but i'm here i i am here and for me, that that that's where the human and the, and the divine are one. Like non-duality and duality, it's all the the sacred and the profane, the the, the God and man, God and woman. It's all just one. It's 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 one thing, you know. It's not when this is not about getting rid of doubts, getting rid of fears, and being in this perfect state of like pure awareness, pure purity. This 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 idea of that we have to become pure. I don't want to be pure. I don't want to be pure. Pure ideas of that's what leads to genocide, Inter external and in internal genocide. I don't want internal. I, I want to be here with my impurities, with with my doubts and my weirdness and my shakiness and my fears. And and, and I that for me that's what being present is really about. It's not. It's not. We sometimes. Sorry, I, I will. I will finish. But I haven't done a podcast in two years, so it's it's not like verbal. 
Let's get everything in. I've got two years worth of stuff, Johnny. Get them all in. Get them all in. It's <laughs> 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 brilliant. Do you know what? It, it is. It is throwing so much, so much out there, which which is so powerful for me. For example, perfectionism, purity. There's no, there's, there's, there's no, which is all, you know, the idea based stuff, stuff you gather from conditioning around you. The way that I look at the way that I might be with my family every now and again, if someone has a bit of an issue, they're not feeling good. I'm so sort of compassionate, yet I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it. I'm not always very good at validating that it's okay to be sad because you're like, but I know you want to be happy. So, you know, let's get there. But it's a case of saying, but how can you actually have happiness without fully embracing? The sadness, and and I think, but mm. that that mind-based idea of purity and, perf- and and perfection, and and that this is the other thing you were talking about, you know, the other state, and this is how to get there, and this is what it looks like, and all this kind of stuff. It, it means that how can you have awareness? It will be it will be usurped constantly by analysis, like in meditation. Oh, I've had this thought. Oh well, hold on. Am I having a spiritual experience? Is this a good one? Where's this <laughs> yeah. coming from? Where's it going to take me? Oh no, wait! I've stopped exactly. having it. I've stopped having it. You know, yeah, and yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. I think looking at that as well in terms of a human potential perspective, driven by those same ideals, the way that we look at human potential immediately, people might tune in because you think, well, how do I run faster? Yeah, how do we jump higher? In my sport, human potential was nothing to do with health and balance. It was to do with fitness and pushing yourself to the edge on a physical level like you said do 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 nothing to do with exploring the being but you know fully well that a player when they go on the field if they are at one with their being and comfortable and and within that space of the unknown happy to be in a space of awareness and not constant analysis you have flow and you have that absolute kind of expression and even in the absolute flow and expression someone can say geez i was in the zone then you might look at them and say well i didn't see you doing anything superhuman it's like but that's not what the zone or the flow is it's just it's just that sort of slight i don't know branching towards oneness where you feel a little bit more inclusive of everything instead of trying to work it all out formulaically you have a sense of feeling understanding it like you said in that kind of inarticulable way of of just of just knowing it and not being able to talk about it but looking at this question therefore about human potential with i love the idea about and it's such a powerful so so powerful this idea that we're not going to necessarily stop having doubts and fears and hurt and what have you because we're also not going to stop having dreams and desires but also if we did what on earth of life experience would that be when you reach there? Who would want to reach enlightenment if when you got there, that was it? Mm. That part of, and, and I think that, so for me in, in that respect, looking at two things I'm gonna throw at you at the same time. One is that human potential of like, so what, how do we frame human potential for people that might be sort of looking at it as a space of kind of, what well, I wanna live longer. I wanna be able to move my body more fluidly and more relaxedly and more be looser and more flexible i want to i want to love more and and you know all these kind of things yeah there's there's so much great intention in there but some of the stuff is most of it being so much driven towards that idea of that 
utopian kind of idyllic but also superhuman superhero-esque view of of life and then how does that translate to how we're seeing the potential of the planet through the same eyes in the way that we're taking control almost of where the planet needs to be we can see where it's heading and how that might relate to human survival on it but we're also there creating the same idea of what human potential might be in that enlightened state but we're also looking at a planet in terms of saying well this is an ideal planet what is it how does it all mix to say and what is the in another words i guess what is the what does the future look like in 150 500 years whatever it might need to be when if there has been a shift towards what we're talking about your experience of awareness because immediately you sort of think oh well everyone's super healthy everyone looks really young everyone's living super long the planet is just just green and lush and everyone gets on but then you're kind of like saying but hold on is that really what we're looking at here is that going to solve anything or is that going to create a load of comfort and lack of challenge lack of growth lack of evolution so what is it you know everyone sort of sh this shift that people talk about needing to take place in awareness yeah, what what is that doing for human potential? How do we see human potential before through that? And also, will it, you know, will things in five hundred years time be that much different if we're still on Earth with our desires, with everyone with their individual desires and dreams, mm. still facing challenges? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> That's the shortest <laughs> answer you give us. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> I gave the long one. You gave the short one. That's what I I. I... I mean that's always that's always where I begin is I don't I don't I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know I, I just as you were talking I was I was listening to you but I was also thinking what a strange thing it is to be a human being you know we we human beings it's like we live we live in two it's almost like we live in two realities at once you know on one hand we live in our memories of the past we can we can sit here and we can talk about what happened yesterday and years gone by our childhoods or we can we can sit here and we can think and imagine and dream and hope and plan for the future tomorrow you know what we're having for dinner this evening or some project that we're going to create we can we can imagine what life will be like 5 10 15 20 100 thousand years from now you know and so in uh, in one sense we we live in we live in time the world of the mind the, the world of time but at the very same time and it's almost like this is another reality that when I just stop in any moment and and just look, all I find what I find is my my bum, my bum on this yellow sofa. I I feel some warmth on my legs. I'm wearing shorts. I can hear the sound of by the river. I can hear the sound of a boat going past. I can feel my heart beating. I, the, the, when I really stop and take a look, there's just this moment no other creature on the planet no other no other animal seems to have to face this this or it's sometimes it seems like almost like an absurd situation of of also by the way being being aware you know uh, because we have these minds as human we're, we're aware of our own mortality we can we can think about our own deaths we, we we can sit here and think and even worry about the future we we can think about well 
you know, we, we can think about our deaths in 20, 30, 40 years time. Or, or I can imagine, oh my God, well, what about tomorrow? Something bad could happen to me or my loved ones tomorrow. And this is the blessing and the curse of having of having a mind. We can, these minds that, I mean, they're, they're such incredible tools. I mean, on one hand, look what humanity has done. We've, we've gone to the moon. We've, we've found cures for the seemingly incurable diseases. These buildings that we build, they're, they're astonishing. Astonishing feats of engineering and technology and medicine. And at the same time, this is the same mind that, that builds gas chambers and concentration camps and plans mur murders. And, and we all have this mind, you know, and, and so, so, so just, it just struck me that just to be a human being, just to exist right now as a human being, it's a very, it's a very strange thing. Spend any time with an animal, with a cat, with a dog, or with a with a, a very you know with a, a baby, all there is for them is is the present moment. You know, you just spend some time with a cat. My 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 cat was one of my greatest spiritual teachers. You know, I, twenty years ago I was there. So, <laughs> I was there reading for hours and hours these books with the titles like "I am that" and "You are that" and "You are this" and "You are consciousness" and "I am awareness itself." And there is only this moment. You know, just head buried, my head buried in these very serious books. And my cats just kind of talk about something that's really living it, living in the present moment. Here I am reading about the present moment, not be, not being in the present moment, by the way, which is quite, quite ironic. And my cat was just wandering around. She's chasing a butterfly. She ate when she was hungry and she played with the grass and then she was tired. She went for a sleep. But, but it, she was so... She wasn't sitting there thinking about, oh, sh God, shit, I'm going to die in like 10 years. I'm going to die. And like, what's the meaning of my life and the purpose? And oh, God, that thing that, that happened, that, that blah, blah, you know, it's just it's animals don't have time for that. They they animals have to be aware of their immediate surroundings. They have to be present. It's a survival thing. So I, I was just it just struck me that just. It's very interesting that because we have that human beings, we we live in the world of the present moment, yes, but we also live in this other second world, this other world, the world of the past and of the future, the world of memory, regret, anticipation, fantasy, dreams, and hopes and plans, and that seems to be, you know, we seem to be the only creature on the planet. Who knows? Maybe any bloody planet. Who knows? Who knows? That that exists in this situation, in this, in this, in this comic, absurd, tragic, sometimes unbearable, sometimes exquisitely beautiful ex experience. You know, we 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 can sit here and hope and dream and plan and and have visions, and at the same time, we're just you know bum on chair breath going in and out, the warmth on the face. When I really, really stop and look, there is, I can't find anything but this moment. I cannot find anything but pure presence. And in this pure presence, the past doesn't exist, the future doesn't exist, or rather, the past does exist, but, but only as a, a memory, an image in the mind, maybe voices in the head, pictures in the mind, appearing in this presence, in this moment. So the past, when I really t stop and take a kind of ruthlessly honest look at my experience, mm. where is the past? It's very trippy when you really start to, <laughs> when you really start to look into it, it's very trippy that we, 
where is the past? I can't find it. it it's, it's a picture in my mind right now in the present. Where's the future? It's, it's pictures, thoughts, images, voices in, in, in my head. Where? In the present, always in the present. It's like every breath is in the present moment. So, so it's very strange. We never actually, I'm, I'm sure this has nothing to do with your question at all. It, 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 it's, it's interesting though, because some people often say to me, well, two questions I get asked a fair bit. One is, what did it feel like, you know, winning a, 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 the big game that happened sort of s- several years ago? What did that moment feel like? And I find yeah. it difficult because- Yes, because you probably like you weren't, said before, you weren't there. In, 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 I, I, in some sense, you weren't there. I, I wasn't there when it happened because it was a. It felt like a bit of a passenger experience, like you said, very much just aware of what's going on, but not really in it, which probably allowed it to sort of happen the way it did. But at the same time, also being here now, when I talk about yes. it, yeah. I'm talking fiction. It's, it's about, like you said at the beginning, it's someone else. It's another life. I'm just making up a story. And the story, I'm not... I'm not deciding how I'm going to make it. I'm not playing that kind of manipulative role, but it's coming through the way I feel about life now. My memory then finds it's itself. It's like a cat. If you so told, I told a cat the story, the story of your, your World Cup thing, the cat will be like, what? It's not, it doesn't exist. It's noise. It's, yeah. The cat is more interested in the, no. in the, in the blade of grass over exactly. there than something that happened in some imaginary 10, 20, whatever year, yeah. years. <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly. And and the second to bring that to to point the second. Sorry, I don't wanna, I don't want to minimize your your achievement. No, 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 you, no, no, not at all. No, <laughs> you've just usurped it with a blade of grass. Thanks very much. Um, but the but the, the the you sort of like actually highlighted exactly the point. The other one is kind of people saying, oh, you know what? When did you get into all this spiritual stuff, and how did it happen? And as exactly as you said at the beginning. I felt like I'm talking about something else. Is they said, "Oh, you know, how long did it take you?" And I'm kind of like, "It's always now. It happened now. It's not you. It does, even though along that that sort of maybe more mind level, you say, "Oh, well, here's my process of of how it all kind of fell into place." But when you say from an experiential level, I've never been anywhere but here and now, and there's been no shift, like you said, because it's always been here. So therefore, it's only the shift can only take place when it's like, well, this is where I was and this is where I am now. But the shift brings you to the way you are now to realize, like you said, there has been no it shift. It reminds me of, of you know, my, my dad, he died a few years ago. He had Alzheimer's and I, I spent a lot of time with him. I, I, I was his carer for a while. I had some really beautiful, trippy mind expanding heart opening conversations with him especially towards the end you know because you know his his memory was 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 completely going and oh it was so from one perspective it it can sound tragic you know but when you were when you were really 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 present with him there was something joyful in it you know like i have so many stories but like uh, i remember one day he forgot where the where the toilet was well, it's not that he forgot where the toilet was. It's that it's that he didn't have the memory there. Like the toilet never existed. It's not like he forgot it. It's like it never really existed for him. So I'd find him wandering around the house. Going, yeah. He was so sweet towards the end, you know, because my dad was before the illness. He was a very, very difficult, narcissistic man who had, he had all the answers. My dad was a man who had always had he was always right, black and white all the time. And then this Alzheimer's came along. And it was beautiful because all his answers started to crumble. Like he started to forget his reality, his old reality, he started to forget his opinions. <laughs> he started to forget his his rightness, his cleverness. And he, he very much became like a, 
like like a child. And you know, he's my dad for the first time in his like he was like in his eighties at this point. He would ask me, Jeff, like what what's that? What's that? like he became curious. My dad was never a man who asked me questions. He always had the answers. And and now he it was quite beautiful. It was very healing in a way for our relationship. So I'd find him wandering around the house. He was like, Jeff, where, where did they some someone move the toilet? Like where did where did they put the toilet? Like it's you know. And he actually, at this point, he wasn't suffering. He wasn't suffering because in his mind, they had moved the toilet. It wasn't his, nothing was wrong with him. There was never anything wrong with him. It was always they, they've moved the toilet. And because at this point, I, and this was such a, 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 a teaching for me. It was such a lesson. I really had to be present with it. I really, with someone with Alzheimer's, because they are so present. They, they become your teachers. I would just, I, would, I just met him wherever he was, whatever he was feeling, it was okay. And whatever he said, that even if it seemed on the surface crazy, for me, it was, it's just, it was, it was just, okay, well, that's, that's what he thinks and it's okay, you know? And so I was just, oh, dad, yeah, they, um, let's go and find the toilet together. I didn't say, you know, I didn't say what's wrong with you. And of course they didn't move the toilet. It's in the same, no, what, what, what would be the point in making him feel bad for something? He was so innocent. He was so innocent. It's like he was returning to this state of, of innocence. It was actually quite trippy for me in a way because I, I entered into the state of, with him, he was such a teacher, such presence that I started to wonder, well, like, how do I know? Yeah, brilliant. I, I, it's like I fell into this place of not knowing with him and that's where I could really meet him is that we, we don't know. I don't know, you don't know. We, we don't know. And that's what, that's what presence really is. On this. It's like not this one, this glorious not knowing, this kind of state of innocence, like the, the kingdom of heaven. So I'd be like, come on down, let's, Let's go and find the toilet. And we did this like 20 times a day. And of course, he never remembered. It was always the first time. It, for him, it was always the first time. But talking about presence, like being present and not having like, like his world had fallen away. You know, he was a fairly successful businessman for 40 years. He ran a factory. I think he had, I think he employed like 100 people. It was like a DIY thing that he did. And, th- and then he, he lost it all. But for 40 years of his life, this was his whole life. This was his life achievement was, was a, being a businessman and running a factory and hiring people. And, and this had consumed his life. I mean, my dad had he'd been like a workaholic. This was his life. This was his identity. And then he got this Alzheimer's. I'll never forget. It was, it was so sweet. And I think it says so much about the mind and about who we really are. And uh, I was sitting in the kitchen with my mum and my dad. My mum was caring for him at this time. And dad... It was like, he turned to my mum and it was like, Lynn, Lynn, what did, what did I do for a living? <laughs> and I just thought like 40 years of blood, sweat and tears and sleepless nights and unbelievable stress. And the, and the, and the shiny cars and showing off to people and, and money, money, money. And, and it all ended in, what, 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 did, what did I do? He didn't even know. He didn't. And again, like, you could freight there's something tragic but you could you could put on the tragic lens there's something tragic about that there's something there's a terrible loss but and this is what i had to do to to be with him to take away the tragic lens and just be just be present with the person in front of me with just just be present with who he is now not who he was then because maybe that what that wasn't who he really was maybe that wasn't who he really was just to and also my, my mum was so good with him as well. Cause, and again, we, we didn't say, what's wrong with you, Sid? Like, don't you remember? Because that's, that's when we don't understand Alzheimer's, that's what, that's what we tend to do. We want to help them remember, but it doesn't really help. It just makes them feel bad. And my mum just, 
my mum just very sweetly said, oh, Sid, you, um, you know, you, you ran a factory for, for, for 40 years. And dad was like, I'll never forget. He was like, really? Did I? And he got a little um, piece of paper out. Oh, it was so sweet. I'm going to cry. And he, and he, he, he scribbled down, I, I ran a factory and he kept it in his pocket. It just shows you how fragile this whole thing is, our whole identity, you know, and these things that are so important to us. And I don't know. In the end, isn't it, isn't it about, it's about love. It's about being present. It's, it's about who are you? Yeah. Who are you now? You know? And, 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 and again, so t- there, there was something, there was something beautiful about just being with dad, this, this new dad. I had to, like, I, I had to let go of who he was and that he didn't even remember our past. I had like 40, 40 years of memories and he could, like, that was all gone. What was left though was present, like presence. I was, we, we get this moment together. We get not, and like, why, it's like, so like why do we have to wait until they, they get sick? They, why do we have to wait until they get Alzheimer's to just to remember that actually this is all we get. This is all we get. We get today. We, we get, we get another day with our loved one. We might not have tomorrow. It really hits home for me because I think whenever you relate to anyone, you see interactions happening on the street between people that happen in our lives. Isn't it the case that everything that we've gathered and identified ourselves with from what we've been through, we stick out in front of us and other people do the same and we let those two, let those two sort of avatars, as it were, <laughs> have a crack. <laughs> And we we don't we don't even get involved. <laughs> yeah. And then we talk about oh, I wish I was in the present moment. But what we're using is past past avatars to say you do my business for me because I don't want in. Well, what does it mean to be in? Well, you've got to let go. Well, not let go, obviously, but you've got to you've got to in in a way remember that you're more than just that small part in order to be able to say that for example, opinions and, and, and judgments that they lead and that ideas of what I'm going to get out of this meeting leads your meeting for you rather than actually just saying, what is this moment? What is this opportunity? And I was, I absolutely went hell for leather on the fact. My passport to safety away from fear and away from the, the doom was, to, was a CV a life CV yeah. and I needed to hand that in to whoever was waiting yeah, at the desk the of, of the pearly the, gate the sacred the holy the holy <laughs> curriculum <laughs> the sacred I think it's resume. the holy grail oh my I think God. it's the holy grail the, the holy grail the perfect yeah. CV that you hold you hand in and 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 you say there that's that's what I did and who and I and this became. is who I am this is and here this is, who, this I is who, I who I am and this is what I've done and, and the same I, thing I can imagine whoever it is at the the pearly gates or whatever the doorway is to the next three arm looking at it and being like f cross you missed the, we kind of wanted you to stand in front of us and we'd have just let you through as who you are you were, well, this door was always open for you however because you're so beautiful anyway you yeah, came through because you, you never tried needed and to you bring did your best and yeah. even if you that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah exactly yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. but it, but this is this is the i guess in a way to to sort of to to wrap it up because like you said geez i could we could we need a part two to this by the way we need a part we this could can this be series one this could rather be series, than yes. it be the full be the full <laughs> this could be the trailer deal. this this is the trailer this is just the trailer johnny 
just the, this is just the beginning. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. I would watch. I would watch this movie. So, a little bit of a as a con- conclusion to to the trailer. With regard to trying to balance those two views, then of of kind of this idea that people want to live better. They were not better, but they want to live lives more according to the lives they wish than the ones they don't with the feelings and what have you. Uh, using, if you like, and to go against it a little bit, what we've just been talking about from memory wise and, and getting you to look at your a past self or an idea of a past self of you. What's the difference in the way that you live and see life now compared to when you say, for example, when you're early 20s with maybe more of the depression, the anxiety and everything? when you're talking about the fact that you know you still have these moments and these challenges so people might sort of say well well then what's even the point of that shift but what is what's what's the world and and existing and experiencing life mm. now for you if you can relate that to an idea of what it was I, th- I think one of the big differences is I'm more more willing these days to experience discomfort i think that that's probably is what changed everything for me just more willing to take the step to do the thing whatever it is knowing that taking that step may lead to me having an experience of discomfort you know joseph campbell said in the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure you seek this is true in like all great myths so there was this there's like this this, this tug of war between safety, like it's like, and I get it. My nervous system was trying to keep me safe. You know, the nervous system, it has one job really, which is just to keep us safe. And one of the ways it tries to do that is no, no, stay with what you know. It doesn't like the unknown, the new thing. It tells you, no, no, that new thing is is dangerous. It will kill you. It's the dragon. It will bite your head off. And at some point it was like, ah, fuck it. And then, you know, and I, I found I found myself saying yes. It was very interesting. Like there was I didn't I it was almost like it wasn't me speaking. I, I didn't I didn't wanna I or the old me didn't want to do a bloody talk in front of people, but some I found it was like a yes came out. You know, just nudging myself a little bit into doubt, into fear, into the scary place, you know. Even if there's a that voice in my head screaming, turn back, turn back, it's dangerous, you'll fail. There's more of a sense these days of like, ah, oh, fuck it. So I'll fail. So I'll fucking fail. Let me fail. I will fail. I'll fail gloriously. Let me do it. Let me experience. I think there's more of a willingness these days to just experience, experience. Like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Ridicule, shame, failure. Okay. What's that like? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Because, you know, the alternative is, is death, actually. You know, like, I used to want to die so badly. Yeah. Like, I'd rather be alive. Okay, so life is, life, there's nothing in between. Either, either you're dead or you have a life that includes all of the messy stuff. There's nothing in between. And I don't want the fucking thing in between anyway. It's, it's a half-life. Either I'm fully alive or the other thing, you know. And I, I, I guess that I want to, I wanna, these days I want to taste life, even if it hurts sometimes, even if I get my heart broken sometimes. Even if sometimes it ends in failure and ridicule. Oh, interesting. What does... Oh, I'm experiencing failure right now. What's that? Okay. And then you always find... Oh, I've always... It's never as bad as you imagine anyway. What's failure? It's a few... You're only ever facing... You're facing... There's some thoughts running through your head and there's some sensations, sensations in your body. That's really it, actually. In any moment, that's it. You're right, though. In, in any moment, 
what is what is there there isn't if you if you remove the analysis and the definitions and the understandings what have you got exactly you've got and and geez if you want to feel all of life maybe it's good to feel some of those extreme ones that you that you sort of get away from but it, but you know almost disentangling them from the definitions is actually is a, a very present experience you you mentioned about the uh humiliation whatever what's that you know if i'm going to do it i might as well do it we have a, a thing i have a thing with with a couple of the guys that i coach with when they're kicking balls around is you go through all the the kind of the physical physics of it and and the forces and how it all lines up then you go you know then you find this kind of like inner feel based connection that allows you to really commit but to sometimes you need something to get them over the line of just go and and kind of phrases keep coming to mind in that and one of them is that look for god's sake if you're going to miss just miss beautifully <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're left with that thing of being like you what do you mean i mean like well you're going to hit it and if it's going to miss make sure it's the most amazing miss make sure it's a miss that you're like whoa what a miss and then sure enough you're kind of in that space of being like well actually after that there really is no such thing as missing because even if it doesn't miss, you're kind of like, yeah, but it was impressive. <laughs> it was something. Exactly. Just, just, just like, just like young children, like you know, babies, very young children, when they, they so in the moment when when they're laughing, laughter is is all there is. It's just, they are so in the laughter, and then the next moment, the laughter's gone, and a few seconds later, Wah! and when they're crying, <laughs> it's just one hundred percent, and they don't have a story about it. They do not have a story about it. They don't have a story that the 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 there's something wrong with them. That's what comes later. They don't have they're, they're just fully present with they're fully absorbed. So yeah, exactly. If you're gonna miss, if you're gonna fail, do it. Do it beautifully. Be fully present. It's about the presence. It's not about the thing in the end. That that's the joy, the old the joy of life. So maybe we come to see it. It's 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 not about the 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 score, whether you win or whether you lose, whether the world loves you or the world thinks you're a blub, whatever. It's it's not about how many books you sell or how many people listen to your podcast or how <laughs> many follows you have on Instagram. It's it's like, can you just show up for this moment? You know, some of the most beautiful moments in my life have not been the moments when my life has been going well. So the most beautiful moments in my life, like, like I think of the moment my dad died. You know, it wasn't life going to plan. It wasn't really what we wanted or expected, but but then you find yourself there. Okay, this is happening. Okay. And, and you know, obviously there's a part of me that wishes it, life was completely different. There's a part of me that wants some other experience, but I want to, I want to, I want to be here. I, I don't want to miss this moment. I, I, even if it hurts, even if it fucking breaks my heart, I want to know it. I want to know this human experience. I want to know what that feels. Yeah, of course we don't want to. We don't want to wallow in that experience or stay there. But just in that, you know, in that moment, like I, I want to know. I want to. I want to be here. I want to. I want to remember this. I want to. I want to. What is, you know? And and and, and I'm so I'm so grateful because I'd had so many years of kind of feeling understanding what presence was the moment my dad died i feel like that of course on one hand you're never ready you're never ready for a moment like that a loss a death whatever it is a, a missed goal like whatever it is you're never really ready and there's a part of you that may want something different but 
if it just we can just turn it's this sense of turning towards our experience almost like you're kind of an alien on on the earth experiencing a day for the very first time you've you don't know you have no knowledge you you've, you've never experienced something like this before like a child like by jesus said you know like what's what's it like to be at the bedside of a father who's passing away because i only get this once this is not this isn't a trailer this this isn't a trailer for some future movie some future event this is life so I, i'm so glad that i was able to just fully be there for my dad as he as he passed as he you know, fell into the mystery, the most, mis- yeah, it's nothing yeah. more mysterious than death, nothing more mysterious than birth and death. It's the, just the mystery of life is, the mystery of creation is right there. And just to be fully present for him, with him, as he, as he made this transition. And then and, and just to be also interested in what that brought up in me, the gr- deep, deep grief. And then also this joy, like at the same time, it's a big paradox. It's a huge paradox. There's, there was relief his suffering being over, and there was grief at the the form disappearing. It's about, I mean, this has become such a cliche, is you know, the pre- be in the present moment, the present moment. But like, it's so, it's so true. It's it's these moments are so precious. This is all you get. We we aren't guaranteed a next life. No one knows. We're not guaranteed another chance at this. We're not guaranteed another life. We don't know. An afterlife, what happens after death? We really don't know. Everything we know is what we've been taught or we've imagined or we've, you know, been been told or we've been... But we really... Maybe, maybe this is all we get. And from one perspective, this is depressing. What? <laughs> this is it? What? Just, but it's so ordinary. Like, for, from the, for the spiritual seeker who was expecting something bigger, more holy, more... So, no, but this... This is the sacred. This is the sacredness. This is sacred. Just sitting in my living room and you, wherever you are, just having a conversation. It's it's it's, it's it might seem ordinary, or walking to the shop, walking to the cafe and getting a coffee or a, or a nice kombucha. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was a plug for me, was it? That was a plug for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sacredness. It's 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 in the ordinary. It really is, and it's so easy yeah. to forget to lose touch with the present moment and just kind of sleepwalk through our days. And and I'm not judging. Uh, you know, I'm not judging us for doing that. It's we had to learn to numb ourselves. We had to. It's what we learned as kids. But you know, well, I think what we're coming back to what we're talking about is is being fully alive. And you can't have the the joy without the sorrow. You can't have the certainty without the doubts. You can't have half of life. This is what non-duality is really about. The deeper meaning of of non-duality. It's all, all of it. The, the, The goal that you score and the goal that, you know, goes completely the wrong direction. It's, they're both, it's life, it's sacred. It's, it's, it's something to, yeah, like you say, you're gonna do it, do it, fail beautifully. I'm going to have to say just such a, for a start, a massive thank you. There's, it seems like in a way there's, you might say it a couple of times, oh, it seems a bit cliche, but geez, having framed it with an hour and a half of such incredible depth, but also that last message, what you're talking about seemed to me is that remove the story, the absolute story in any moment. And what's left mm-hmm. is the powerful like you said, the, the beyond, the, the extraordinary, when you remove the story. And I think in a way, if you don't mind me, 
this is an observation is that listening to you speak and having the privilege of being able to watch you on the screen as well as you're speaking you it's it's brilliant there is there's no script you're not you know i can't i can't listen to you know an, an old recording you did and be like oh he's telling me that now and oh, i've heard that story and and that's kind of what i mean that is so inspiring is that i feel like almost as if there's though words are coming through you they're not stored they're not stored in an order they're coming through you and i think you've sort of said oh i know i'm rambling and i'm going over the place but i'm sort of saying i it's not at all it's 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 completely the opposite because it feels like there's a real respect to the present moment of this and this conversation and being here on the screen and everything and i kind of i i just really really appreciate it because it it belongs to the it to now it's not you know those two avatars saying well hold on this is me and versus you we should get this it's kind of like right go who speaks first well i better because it's my it's my podcast so i'll intro you go and if you want to go for this and i'll go for it i'm like oh and, and at the end of it you kind of look back and go that was exactly what it was meant to be and i'm and 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 i'm i, I couldn't be happier with it and and out of pure respect to you i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of conclude it and I'm not going to try and review it and think about it. I'm just going to be like, that's no, beautiful. Don't, do not try and review this we're not, podcast. We're, we're <laughs> it's not reviewable. It's unreviewable. <laughs> it was just, but it's been awesome. And, and yeah, oh, gen genuinely you, you've taken me on a, on a little bit of a journey. And one of the main things that really comes out of this is that I've, you know, listening to you speak, I'm still finding this, put this, the big spotlight on my garage in my garage where I thought I cleaned out a lot of the, the, the rubbish. And in the corner, I'm like, Oh, there's more. And I've just noticed there's so much more. Wait, are you talking still... about your actual garage? Or is this a metaphor? No, no, that was a metaphor. no, this is a metaphor. Oh shit, sorry. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Like, You're not helping me to clean garage? out my garage. <laughs> Oh, you've completely ruined my metaphor now. That's what I do. Oh Johnny. no, I ruined my. Right, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Johnny, honestly. Anyway, the like, point. The point being. Yeah. The point being. Well, listen. The point being is just that where I was going with the garage thing. Incidentally, if you're gonna please let me at least round up the garage metaphor, which was that was that the um, there's still some of me that's that's thinking, when I get this, I'll be there, and whether it's oh when I meet those spiritual absolute a-class spiritual gurus and i get them to put the thumb on my head and i have the vision once i am there to see it for my own eyes then i'll be there and i think just having that opportunity to hear you and just talk about the fact that you know from your own experience too that we're we're all it's it's part of it it's not an escape of it it's so cool so may listen i just wanted to say massive massive thank you for a roller coaster couple of hours and uh it's been a privilege so if this is the first one for a couple of years I, I hope you do some some more afterwards and take some other people on that journey too oh thank you johnny so that's it for another episode of i am it's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all if you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest then all the information you need is in the show notes I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.
Before I go, I want to say a final thank you to the sponsors of today's podcast, Vitality. For me, the secret to a happy and healthy life is about living consciously. And when we can align those little things we do and decisions we make every day with the life we really want to live, it really makes a difference, which is when the team over at Vitality comes in. Their comprehensive cover enables us all to live a happier, healthier life, whether it's through offering discounts on gym memberships at Virgin Active, Nuffield Health or Pure Gym, or on activity trackers from Garmin, Polar and Samsung. For me, I've been an ambassador with Vitality for several years now, and undoubtedly the feeling of true support when someone cares about you and your health and your quality of life, it makes a massive difference. So you can take the small steps to make the meaningful changes. Head to vitality.co.uk for more information. Terms and conditions apply.